Hi friends, Brooke Boone here, and I have the privilege and honor of speaking with a dear friend of mine and a friend of the ministries, Tyler Johnson, uh, for this series of Going Deeper deeper podcasts. Um, We're going to be talking primarily about original design and then a little bit on servant leadership, but I have a feeling that our conversations will go off track quite a bit because that's the most fun thing about Tyler Johnson, is that one thought, one statement leads to a million thoughts and a million statements. So I'm excited to have you with us, and um, we'll look forward to exploring these podcasts together as we go along in the next couple of months. So thanks for being here, and let's get started. Hi, Brooke here, back with Tyler. Um, Thanks for being here, Mr. Johnson. Great to be here. Um, Dr. Johnson. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay, so listen, in this idea of the simple gospel, or, you know, we're talking about integration and disintegration. Um, talk to me about the centrality of Christ in integration or reintegration, at least our reintegration with what is already perfection. Talk to me about the centrality of Recogn- Christ. Recognition of integration. Yeah, so... Um... Let me just start by saying this on integration. So we don't connect a seamless world. We're not the ones who connect it. God did. And there's one God, one creation, and it is cohesive. Yes. So we're not the connectors. We're the recognizers of it. But Christ, um, the centrality of Christ in an integrated world, if you go to Colossians 1, the statement in many of the Bibles for the heading that starts in verse 18, I believe it might start in 15, but neither here nor there is the supremacy of Christ, that he's supreme over all things. And as Paul begins to speak in this section, he speaks about Christ, uh, how all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. And he makes this statement that through him, by him, through him and for him, all things were created. So the logic of the Bible, if you read Colossians 1, is a great place, Hebrews 1, so let's say it this way, Genesis 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, if you read those, you begin to understand how God made the world. And what's amazing in Colossians and Hebrews is that it was Christ who was speaking the world into existence. Mm -hmm. So as he spoke, things were created. But then there's this idea of God doesn't just create and leave the world to be. Jesus speaks the world into existence, but then it says, in him, all things consist in Colossians. Hebrews says, he holds the world together with the word of his power. So Christianity is not deism, by which I mean, if you study worldview in college, they'll talk about deism as the watchmaker view of the world. So it's like there's somebody there, uh, a woman there making a watch. When she finishes the watch, it ticks on its own. And it moves. And so I wear my watch and it just works. That's not Christianity. God didn't make the world and then leave it to run on its own. It runs currently right now by the word of God. It holds together in Christ. Now, you take that idea in Colossians that everything holds together in Christ. And you stop for a minute and you begin to think about this. It's really profound because I can look around the space we're in right now and see walls and go, okay, there was an architect, there was a contractor, there was a builder who ensured that these walls hold together. But if I believe what the Bible says, the walls are holding together. Yes, the work of man erected them with materials that God made, but they're actually holding together 
in Christ and through his word. My body is holding together in Christ's word. So there's some very famous theologians that many people know, and I'll end on this quote, but it's an absolutely profound quote. This is actually a guy named Herman Bavink quoting John Calvin. Now, John Calvin, many times if you study him in just normal school, they'll play him out to be a crazy person, but he was actually very, very incredible. And this is quotes of John Calvin that then Herman Bavink talks about, and then he'll go back to Calvin. So I'll read the quote and tell you who's saying it. So John Calvin says, there's not an atom of the universe in which you cannot see some brilliant sparks at least of his glory. So if you stop and go, what's made up of atoms? You don't have to be a scientist to know everything's made up of atoms. And he's saying there's not an atom in the universe that isn't screaming of God's glory. He subtly states it. You know, there isn't some brilliant sparks at least of his glory. His point is it's sparking with the glory of God, every atom. So Bavink then says off of that Calvin quote, if that's true, Bavink, God is imminent in all of creation. Imminent means as near as near can be, like closer than the nose that's on your face. And then Bavink says this, the pure in heart see God everywhere because everything is full of God. And I love that statement because Bavink knew his Bible and he knew the Beatitudes say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And he says the pure in heart see God everywhere yeah. because everything's full of God. Now, this is where it gets really good. So Calvin says this, John Calvin, I confess that the expression nature is God may be used in a pious sense by a pious mind. So if you're sitting there going, I'm not certain I know what pious means, it means godly. And he's saying those who've been informed by the Bible in a godly sense, by a godly mind, may say nature is God. Now, if you stop, there's a bunch of people to be like, nature is God is pantheism. Like the tree right. isn't God. There's a right. creator-creature distinction. That's true. But here's the reality is if Christ, if everything is holding together in Christ, the godly that understand that is the tree is not God, but Jesus is so in the midst of creation from sunsets to trees to individuals that we look in the eyes of. Yeah to everything that we do. He's so in the midst of it that you can see him everywhere. Not kind of see him, see him everywhere. So the centrality of Christ is Christ is the one holding it together. So when you see it, that's what you see, who you see. I love that. Yes. Thank you. Um, when I was at retreat, I walked by someone and they said, well, the neutrality of Christ. And I said, oh, wait, 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 no, no, no. It's, there's no neutrality in Christ. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's, it's the centrality of Christ because he does hold it all together. I love too when um, in our master's program, we were talking about chakras and you may have even heard that teaching, but with respect to the heart space being the, the primary place for integration, that there's this place in the interior of ourselves that, that holds it all together in the Lord. I mean, he, in Isaiah, he said that he would sit on the throne of David. Like the, I mean, David is a man after God's own heart. And so the centrality, the integrator is one of deep relationship. Like he's, he's committed to that. He's committed to being at the center of ourselves as well. Like as much as he cares about holding the tree together or the walls in this room, he's holding the fragments of our heart. That's, that's and the there is uniqueness space. to that. This is where there is distinction is that God cares about all of this, but there is a apple of his eye is the way the Bible talks about it of humanity. There's nothing in all of creation made like human beings made in the image of God. 
And there is this affection in the heart of God towards those whom he's created and towards his people that is very unique, just like Christ is very unique. I mean, yeah, that's so good. He's so good. Right. So good. So good. Thank you for that. That was so good. Thank you. Thank you.